Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 25 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm thrilled that my guest is able to join us this morning. He was the number two pick of the Brisbane Bears in the 1992 AFL draft, ultimately playing 76 games over the course of his eight years between the Bears and the Lions, as well as the Hawks. And after his time in the AFL, he shifted his focus to American football, to gridiron. And in 2007, along with a friend, John Smith, he created Pro Kick Australia. And if you are a fan of the NFL or college football, then you are well-versed in the significant contribution that this gentleman has made to the game that you love. I would like to welcome Nathan Chapman of Pro Kick Australia to the podcast. And, sir, it's an absolute pleasure that you're joining me this morning. Welcome. Oh, no, thank you. I'd love to uh, be on board and talk all things footy. This is something we're passionate about. Terrific, terrific. Yeah, and, and football. I mean, this is a, you know, I, I'm a I'm a big college and NFL fan myself as well. So this is this is a great crossover episode, as they call it in, in television. Now, you... You spent eight years as a as an AFL player, and uh, what what were some of the, the the greatest memories you had when you were when you were playing? Yeah, oh, I think um, professional sports an interesting one when you get out the back end of it. Sometimes it's pretty intense, you know, while you're living it at the time and being able to step away and at some stage and reflect on it. Your your memories about what's the best thing is probably changed a few times, but um, yeah, I've got a few few memories of um, you know playing my first game um, is obviously something that I'd strive for and trained hard for as a young fella, you know, coming up through the ranks, um, dreaming that I'd get an opportunity to play one day. So your first game's always pretty special. Um, I remember my first goal my first six points that I, I kicked and um, I think one of the memories that sticks with me is probably family members coming to a game and and sort of seeing a you know a big banner or a sign in the grandstand you know just with my name and number on it yeah. saying you know we wish you well and all, and have a great game and we love Chappie that type of thing from uh, my younger brothers and sisters so uh, they're probably moments that that really stick with me, um, you know, as opposed to accolades or anything like that, which Ooh. I didn't. At this early point in the interview, I had a slight glitch with my recording software and transitioned to a different platform, and we pick up the interview at that point right here. You were talking about your how much you enjoy having your uh, your family there um, up in the stands with the signs and that type of thing, and that 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 had to be that has to be something that's absolutely thrilling, and. And um, so it was pretty. It was pretty cool. And yeah. uh, we played um, played North Melbourne. Uh, played okay. A, a really really big fella at the time. So I just remembered, you know, running out there for the first time, which was yeah, what a what a great experience to that, look back on. And and that stadium is just you know, is so much larger than anything we have here in the states. It's just it, you know, in terms of the footprint. You know, you know, we've got stadiums that are comparable in terms of seating capacity, but just the footprint of that stadium, it's 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 so much larger than anything that we have here. That you know, all that talk about you know them bringing a game, uh, what Essendon and GWS here next year to play somewhere, it's going to have to be played in a park somewhere because we don't have we don't have a stadium that would fit a footy field. You know, yeah, we don't have that. Yeah, pretty big when you compare the two fields yeah, um, to get something, but 
Yeah, well, they'll, they'll squeeze it in somewhere. Yeah, it's it. I hope so. I hope so. so someday I'm going to make the, the trip there to actually get to see a game. But when you when you hung up your your boots after your eight years, you were not done as a competitive athlete. And uh, and you know you played. I, I did some reading. You played a couple years um, at the level below the seniors. It looked like, and then you decided to go on and try American football. What gave you the yeah? What gave you the the yeah. ink the inkling or the urge to want to do that? Well, I was twenty five. I was twenty five when I'd finished professionally in the AFL, and um, and then when I played the, the in the sort of the local football, um, which we won a you know a, a premiership in our second year in that um, for Mount uh, under. a under a coach, Danny Craven, who I'd played with in my earlier days at, in Brisbane. And um, I just knew there was something else I had to do. I just felt like there was something else. And okay. So, uh, at 25, you know, 27, I just – what was I going to get my mind active? I needed the rush again. It was that, that okay. feeling of, of being around – top level sport or a club or something as I, I just knew I wasn't done as a, an athlete and I felt like I had something to give. So in essence, to be honest, it could have been any sport. I just had to do something. I'd okay. even tinkered with trying to start playing golf and I was, I was an okay golfer. I thought, well, Hey, heck, maybe I should just, if I do this and practice like this for the next four years, you know, can I get myself to get on some, um, you know, some type of uh, event tour, something like, yeah, you know, I really thought about long and hard about right, right, dedicating right. time to sport again, whatever that may be just to, yeah. um, to try and play at the top level. So um, turned out that uh, kicking a ball was, was one of those options. Okay. So when you found yourself playing and I, re- I read that you did the punting duties as well as the kicking off um, with the, the local gridiron team that you were playing there, what, what gave you the 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 idea? And and again, I your skill set was 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 definitely good enough because you know a team did bring you in for a tryout. But how did that happen? How did you go from playing on a a local team for a in a in a quite frankly a foreign sport to actually ending up in 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 training camp? A few, you know, how'd that happen? <laughs> so that was a lot of late nights, a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls. A lot of times kicking by myself down to the park, and that probably that was three years worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, um, again, where I I guess I got my first taste of it was uh, I literally rang the local league, spoke to a, um, a young man called Stephen Box, who who out of the whole um, league at the time in Queensland was the only one who'd said he'd come down and. Um, let's say show me what to do but like hey here's a helmet and pads this is what it looks like um, here's a ball um, start kicking so Stephen Box and Paul Knight were the two guys that sort of ran the club there at the time and um, and, and another another guy who were really welcoming so it allowed me to sort of get a taste of it even though it was you know cold winter dark nights and <laughs> me just kicking a ball not really knowing what to do and yeah. uh and that sort of got the taste of it, all while I was practicing and trying to send emails to America to, to get someone to take okay. a look at me. Because you 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 did have somebody who was kind of a uh, 
a trendsetter there because you know Darren Bennett had made the leap to the the NFL about what about a decade or so before before you made the attempt to if I'm not mistaken maybe a little bit more than a decade yeah um, yeah absolutely yeah. And, and, and and we 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 went and saw him um, play we're on a uh, a football trip in through the states and we went um to to watch him play and you know we got to have a chance to have a kick on the field and i was relatively new i was probably two years into my afl career out of eight so it was in the back of my mind that oh this you know hey if well, i do enjoy kicking a football this could be something i could do one day but you know you, you sort of put it to bed a little bit um just because you you know you had to focus on on what was in front of us, but certainly, certainly something I thought I'd do. Okay, and and when you yeah you know, when you made those phone calls and you made those contacts, you got here. Um, you know, I, I, I what was the experience like when you came to training camp? And I I know that you know that that Green Bay because you ended up with you ended up having in training camp with the Packers, and if I'm not mistaken, Green Bay has one of the most unique settings and you could argue that that was that would probably the perfect place for somebody who was coming from the AFL experience because it, Green Bay is such it's almost like it's like a family experience in that community yeah absolutely it, it, um well I, I mean you know for the year prior I'd went to a, a kicking camp in the states that um uh with Ray Guy and Rick Sang to get some lessons and then uh, I travelled over there with my brother, came back, and then got fortunate enough to to get a connection with um, John Dorsey, who um, was, I guess, head of scouting there at um, at Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he liked the film, um, was over in in the states, and they flew me up. Long journey, had a kick, and it was really it was really weird. It was you know we probably kicked for an hour. Um, it was a workout that sort of turned into just kicking a ball and having a bit of fun and what can you do? And uh, so that was that was pretty cool to then say, right, go and have a shower and come up into the into this uh, I don't know, I guess a guest room. Um, had some food and, food and sort of said, well, I would like to sign you. So to go there and be in that environment was a pretty quick, um, I guess, a whirlwind that happened really quickly. I bet, yeah. Um, so then, but again, as I'd spent more time there, you're right. The the family atmosphere and um, you know the, I guess the environment, the real country nature feel to it. But you knew you knew the football environment was intense, but uh, certainly very welcoming, and and the people, and um, it was it was exhilarating to get back into that format and know that you could spend your time and energy trying to perfect your craft or get stronger, or um, you had a goal to work towards. And what what is really neat about Green Bay, and I'm gonna, I'm going to ask you about one aspect of it that I I'm hoping you got to do, but you know Green Bay the t- the team is actually owned by the fans. I I have I have relatives on my wife's side of the family who actually own shares of the Green Bay Packers. It, you know, like a stock market kind of thing. It's it's very similar to like an AFL membership, in a way where you're helping to actually fund the operation of the club. I mean, you know, because Green Bay doesn't have a, an owner per se. They have owners, lots of them. No, and no, and you'll probably really get a sense of that as well. Um, I mean, everyone loves their team, but you certainly love your team if you've got a uh, vested interest in it as well. Um, exactly. So it's such a big part of the community there. Um, so, yeah, you really did walk in and get a sense of, 
of the pride um, that the town and the people had for um, for the Packers. It's mm-hmm. it's actually amazing, and to think, you know, I was there right at the end of, you know, Brett Favre had a couple of years to go there at the time, but you know, just wow, you know, I can look back at those stories and just be godsmacked that how blessed I was to be just in the same facility as some of these amazing right, athletes right. and um, tremendous performers. And did, did you get to do the, the traditional bicycle ride that the, uh, yeah, that, that, I mean, that is just such a neat thing to see. I mean, that is, just, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, for for those people listening in Australia, can you explain that? Cause you know, you got to do it. I've seen it before, but you actually got yeah. to experience that. Yeah. Actually it was probably, it was, it was, it was so good and joyful too. Okay. So basically the facility, the training, where you got, uh, I guess, where you get changed um, in the in the rooms, you've then got a a 250 yard, maybe 300 yard distance to where the practice facility is or the practice field, and so um, yeah, everyone knows when training's on, so they all congregate outside the rooms and they they form a bit of a barrier along you know along the wall, and young. You know, young uh, children from the area will bring their bicycle in and they'll basically stand next to their bicycle and offer to, you've got to ride your their bicycle from the training room across to the practice field a few hundred yards and they may get on the bike with you. They may have uh, little bars that they can stand on on the back. They might walk beside you and carry your helmet and your cleats or something. So... You know, to be able to, these kids, their eyes light up and and they'd be waiting for you. And generally, you probably, you probably, yeah, it changes some days, but the same kid might turn up the next day and you form this really cool, you know, little bond with, with a young boy or a young girl yeah. who's lent you their bike. So to see a big 350-pound uh, lineman, <laughs> you know, nearly popping the wheels of uh, some, you know, 12-year-old, schoolgirl uh her bike it's it's amazing but certainly i've got some pictures from that yeah. which I, I absolutely cherish it is it is one of the greatest traditions you know in sports here and i and i i imagine as i'm learning about footy there are probably very comparable things that happen in australia that i'm hoping to uncover as i as i go about learning about the game but you know for those of you in australia if you, you can probably find images of this on youtube but it is really a neat thing to, to see these kids interacting with the uh interacting with the players uh, but you know we john dorsey was you know just recently the uh the general manager of the the browns here in cleveland um and his you know he's not with the team anymore but uh you know he helped to Get the ship righted a little bit, and get some get some quality players in here, and hopefully they're going the right direction. But, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, the old football journey of a player or a, a coach or a scout—you can be anywhere at any given time, and and your journey can change. Yep. And, um, yeah, it's a what a interesting life you can lead uh, where it takes you. So you you ha- you you tried out with the club, and if I'm not mistaken, you you got to punt in a couple of preseason games, correct? Yeah, I uh, played. I guess the uh, the intra club scrimmage at the st- at the start, which the you know uh, green okay. versus white scenario, which was you know brilliant to think that seventy five thousand fans turned up to that. That was <laughs> that was amazing. Um, and then and then a couple of practice games after that. So um, 
yeah, what I what I didn't know at the time, as soon as I got there, it was March, April. I'd probably just been signed. Uh, there was a there was a break. If you think of the timing, there was a break between um, in that April period. Obviously, they're out scouting for the draft. Right, right. And so I'd been signed, but I hadn't really kicked for many or any of the coaches. I just okay. had a workout and got signed. So turns out three weeks later, the NFL draft's on and they drafted a young man in the third round, a punter. And <laughs> all right, third round, sort of unheard of territory, isn't right, it? Right, right. So I just thought, see, over here, it doesn't matter in Australia, if you get drafted, it doesn't matter if you're drafted in the first round, third round, seventh round, whatever it is. It just, it just, all of the picks are the same. I, I was still naive towards all of the, um, I guess, the ongoings about what that meant. Um, I didn't realise that, that from that day I was probably doomed from day one thinking, well, they've just paid him a million dollars. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> and he's right. Yes. up in the third round. He's going to be the guy. But I just, to be honest, I didn't look at it like that. I didn't know at the time, but I certainly didn't look. I thought, okay. Oh, well, let's, let's go. Game on. They've picked someone up. That's just a normal daily, uh, I guess, an occurrence in the AFL world. So uh, I just thought, it's right, got someone to beat out. That's pretty cool. And uh, went about you know, my business. But so, uh, yeah, third game in, had a couple of ordinary kicks, um, which probably allowed them to say, oh, that's not going to work and, um, and uh, moved me on. So it's, you know, there was a bit, there was a, a bit more to it, but in yeah. essence, um, was pretty short, short okay. lived in that sense. You you did not end up making the squad, and again, if, if if a team drafts a punter in the third round, that punter is going to be on that team uh, because because you know, or even like with Michael Dixon, if I'm not mistaken, he was drafted in the fourth round, was he not? Um, I think he was in the. Uh, if I get this right, sorry, I think Michael Dixon was. I think if Michael Dixon was in the fifth round, fifth then round, okay, he might have been in the fourth. Okay, you know. If they're in that position, they're they're going to be making the team because otherwise, yeah. otherwise the person that made that pick is going to be looking for a job somewhere else down yeah, the road. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but you know, so well, and, and unfortunately, well, and it was sort of weird at the time. And the young man, B.J. Sanders, could really he was out of Ohio State, mm-hmm. um, so uh, obviously had a, a great um, season, did really well. Probably wasn't kicking the ball that great himself, um, and and that season, that season they actually kept him on the roster, and had and brought in a veteran, uh, Brian Barker, I think it was, um, to sort of play the year just to give BJ okay. a chance to keep developing. So it was, yeah, it was a big, it was a big pick for him to to go in the third round, um, right, right. To then have the Packers carry two active punters on their roster, which was again unheard of. So exactly, although. Yeah, although it was that's just the way it was. So, um, well, yeah, we carry on, which led me to something else, which right, was great. Which, which we're going to get into here. Yeah. So, you 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 had this uh, this instance where you you know you tried out with the Packers and that didn't work out. Now, I'm assuming you came back to Australia at that point in time. And how did the whole idea of of Pro Kick Australia come to fruition? Because you you founded this with uh, John Smith, who I believe kicked in the CFL, correct? Yeah, so Johnny, um, I'd met Johnny through a, through a um, a mutual friend at the time, and I was sort of commuting between states um, 
well when we when we got started. You know, I tried the next year. Sorry, so gone from Green Bay, got let go. Uh, thought I'd try again next year. Um, came back to Australia, and um, you know, uh, went back, had a workout at the at the Bengals, and then had a mini camp at the Bears. Okay. Didn't get signed. Um, didn't get a contract. And then it was sort of, look, you know, I'd been to America once. I'd then tried at Green Bay. Then the next year I was over again. And because there was no real guidance as such as to what to do or what you should do next or how to do it better, um, I just, I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm not going to make it. You know, it was expensive, ran out of money, had a you know, wife and children. And it was like, okay, hey, but time to pull your head in, you old man, just you know, pack it up, <laughs> pack it up and uh, get a real job type scenario. So when we come back, that was when I'd sort of met John and, um, you know, through a mutual friend at the time and um, the idea and concept of, hey, listen, there's plenty of guys who can kick in Victoria, in Melbourne and in Australia. I think there'd be a lot more successful people go across there if they were guided about how to do it better. And um, that's where it sort of started. Okay. And... This, I'm assuming you did not have a, a facility to start off with. You were finding whatever open soccer field or or uh, cricket cricket grounds you could find to to bring people out there. So, how how was the training perceived? You know, when you when you first, you know, how did you attract your first clients, if you will, to say, hey, why don't you come try this? Ah, uh, we laugh about that all the time. Like this is such a part, big part of the story. Yeah, we um, we sent out some flyers and um, you know invited people to come down and have a kick, and uh, we got three applicants. We had four four people turn up um, on the first on the first trial. Uh, we signed three of them to the program. One was Thomas Dydenham, um, who we ended up putting at Portland State. Uh, one was Alex Danaki, who we put at the University of Hawaii. And the other one was Jordan Berry, who actually is now still currently um, in the NFL at the Pittsburgh Steelers. So to think from the first one of the first three guys that we'd signed to our program, uh, one of them is still in the league, which is a tremendous journey. But you know, from walking into parents' houses and say, "Hi, uh, listen, how would you like to uh, hand over your son's academic future?" and um, and give it to us. We'll we'll send him to college in America. We're going to teach him how to kick. And they're going, oh great, yeah, yeah. So uh, how long have you been doing this? Well, <laughs> um, yeah, about that. We're just starting it. We know we can do it. We think it's a great idea. So to think that we had to go and convince people to to join up and do it, and then on the flip side, we had to convince coaches that it was a good idea to take a, a skinny Australian kid to be their punter who's never played the game before. So we had so many hurdles to jump through I, just, I can imagine. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. I, I can imagine that is me. You, you literally, you transformed the, the game here in the United States. You have, you have, you've changed it. And I don't think, I don't think it's going to you know change back. I mean, you, I, I read your website. You have, you have players here that are in the States who are, who are helping to, you know, to train people, here in the states as well, um, the same methods that, that you're using. So, yeah, it did. So, yeah. did you have a lot of well, doors slammed in your face? Ah, oh, the the toughest 
who was going to take a phone call? Half the time, you know, half the time you would ring, the coaches wouldn't recognise a really weird number on their phone when their cell phone rang and it would say, you know, extra numbers. You sort of think, hang on, what's this about? And you don't pick up. You think it's a spam call um, and you don't answer it. So for, for coaches who don't, didn't know me, didn't know who I was or who we were or what we were about, see a random phone number come up on their, on their cell phone, we had to ring and ring and ring. We had to spend night after night after night for year after year in the middle of the night just to find a time that the coach might pick his phone up and, well. and knock doors down that way. It was, it was a grind. It was, you know, four hours sleep every night just oh, yeah. to try and be available in case, in case you've got a coach on the line to talk. I can, yeah, that I, the time difference thing, I understand that because it's, you know, it's, it's pushing eight o'clock in the evening here. So yeah, it's, I can, I can imagine how tough that was to, to get that first connection. And, and now that you've, now that you're having the success that you, that you are, I imagine the coaches are contacting you and saying, who have you got next? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's still both. We still have to contact coaches who, okay new to special teams roles and maybe haven't dealt with this before and we've got i guess you know we'll call repeat clients who yeah who have dealt with this before um and i guess it's their job to find out what's available so um yeah who have you got who have you coming who's coming through the program have you got anyone who might be able to fit this level or this school and uh yeah so you know over obviously then over many years um, you know, it's, it just spreads its wings a little bit to the contacts and networks that you make to be able to, you know, now sometimes if we can't reach a coach, we might have a, a different coach be able to, you know, let them know that we're going to give them a call. Um, okay. And that's that's obviously how networking is to say, hey, listen, we've got we've got a good product. If you're interested in looking at it, let's have the conversation. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say you're fine. You don't want one, and that's okay. But um, yeah, we. I get, we feel like we got you know some runs on the board to be able to sit down and have a a good coach to coach discussion about you know how we can help them. So, you know, now that you know that we've you know, you've got you've got this, I guess you could call it a pipeline of of athletes that are coming in. What type of what type of player today comes to your program? What type of you know what specific type of footy player? is an attractive candidate for your program that you think you can then help to get trained and then, and then help find a spot playing collegiately. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got, we've got all of the same academic issues that we've got to get through. Um, so we've got, um, oh, what do we feel like every year we, it, it's, I guess it's, we can't, we can't dictate who comes through our doors or who is interested. Now it's a case of, uh, someone's heard about American football or punting. They're looking for a bit of a change in their lifestyle at the time. They may not be playing football. They may not be playing good football. They just, you know, a bit stale and want to try something new. Um, once they get in touch, we get all sorts. We get shapes and sizes, heights, weights, ages, you name it. Um, and now location, you know. Um, you know, across the globe, there's people sort of emailing you know, asking about 
you know, what does it take to do it or can we come and train with you, et cetera. So there's a lot of things that have, have now opened up. But the way we sort of see it is as we as we keep producing players to the US, we've got to make sure that we continue to raise the the level and requirement or expectation or just raise the bar. And okay. if we and- so then the the footballer or the punter needs to be more athletic. Well, it's not just kicking the ball. Can you do four or five different kicks? Are you now athletic? Are you strong? Can you tackle? Can you throw? So we're trying to continually develop them as athletes to, you know, so they've got more tools in their in their kit bag just so that, um, you know, we're, again, our, our main focus for a number of years was we're going to bring the importance back to punting and we're going to make coaches want to know about punting and want to be involved in special teams because a, a good punter can flip the field and change a game. Exactly, and, yeah. And and so, you know, uh, you know, the many, many years of, you know, the punter is not a footballer and, um, you know, who cares? They'd only come on the ground a couple of times. Yeah, actually, well, it can be – They you, you can. I bet you you care when it's a really close game and you're backed up in the end zone and you need a good kick. I bet you care about it then. So <laughs> Absolutely, <so> yes. <laughs> So if we've sort of kept that motto and theory about about bringing that importance back, um, yeah, we'll we'll raise the expectation of our our players. So who we invite into our program, the level just keeps improving. So how long does your your you know your average athlete that comes into your program? How long did how long are they with you? Uh, it can vary. Um, it okay. can vary, but it depends on. Now, look, there's a lot of timing. You can you can go to America in January or July, basically. Right, so right. It depends on where you, how good you are when you start. Uh, what's your, when do you, there's no, it's no season with us. You can join our program in January, April, August, December. That doesn't matter. Okay. So it's sort of, it's dictated by what's your starting level, how well you pick it up, um, and then when the recruiting cycle and when then the school needs you. So we'd like to think that we can do what we need to do technically within 12 months. Okay. To make you, and then it's sort of where it fits in that recruiting cycle is that, that 12 months might be 10 and you've joined in February and you leave in January the next year, or you might be in February and the school needs you the following July, and then you're there for 14, 15, 16 months type scenario. So, um, yeah, that can vary a little bit. But we'd like to think that it takes it takes 12 months for you to, what we'd like to say, come out the other side of our program really confident and okay. consistent. Okay, that's that's that that is impressive. And they're and I'm assuming they're they, you know they're taking possibly taking classes maybe or doing studying or I I saw in that in the interview that I looked at that there were kids who were working as well as they were going through this whole process. Uh, but uh, you know, have you have you worked exclusively you know from Australia? Because we're going to get into one other individual that I I saw in the news actually just today. But in terms of athletes coming out of Australia, have you worked exclusively with? With footballers, or have you ended up having some people who possibly played rugby as well that have tried to do this? Yeah, a bit of both. We've had basketballers come across to maybe okay. kick the ball. Uh, yeah, rugby, absolutely. Soccer players and uh, okay, Aussie rules. So, um, yeah, any sport, 
we've had rowers. We've even had rowers who, you know, might have played a little bit of local footy, but had been um, across and were involved in rowing. So um, we had a we had a young man who's who's now at Toledo, Bailey Flint. Bailey was a, a defensive end, went to high school, uh, a Melbourne Australian kid who went and did some time at a, a school in in the US in high school and was playing defensive end. And he came back and um, was about to go to junior college as a, um, as a defensive end. And we said, listen, you can kick a ball. How about you stay here and we teach you how to punt? And he'd never really grown up playing football or anything. So, wow. okay. uh, and now he's at Toledo doing a great yeah. job and doing a really good job. Probably, probably actually he's a, he's a great actor too. And he's, um, He's got some things ahead of him which are fantastic, but Terrific. Yeah, all sports, all sports. We've just got to see what have we got to work with and how long is it going to take to to find, finish and you know put some finesse on. Yeah, on the student. I'm about an I'm about an hour east of Toledo is where I was where I live, so I go to Toledo. I get to Toledo quite a bit. You know, you've worked with all kinds of different athletes, and I, I saw an article today that that you actually have your first. Irish player who has signed and received a scholarship to go play at Georgia Tech. Can you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, um, and that was sort of, I guess things sometimes happen. Uh, you, you get surprised about how things happen sometimes. John Smith happened to be, we got an email from um, a young lad, David Shanahan from Ireland, and I guess you know, it's a bit hard to sort of say, well, do this, come down, have a kick, send some film. And it just so happened that John Smith was in the UK at the time. Um, where's where he's from, he's from Manchester and he was uh, back in the UK just around the same time as we got that email. And, um, uh, and he actually took a trip out to visit uh, David and his, and his mum, I think, in, in Ireland and had a kick um, and basically said, good on you son you've got a leg um you should come and join us in melbourne uh and to his credit he did so you know if if john hadn't have been in the states at, uh sorry in the uk at the time that that may not have happened which may have not say uh put out the fire of, of david coming over but you know it might have made it a little bit more difficult for them to to take a chance and come to australia at the time so look really good lad uh very very high academics that's why georgia tech was a, a good school for him it, as well it, it's a great school um, yeah and he comes from a gaelic football sort of rugby background so uh he was used to kicking a ball and being on the move and and all that so um he's yeah he's got work to do and that'll be a january type scenario so Terrific. Uh, he's got he's got a long time got a lot, lot more time to to work after the same time okay now you, you know when we when we talked off air before we started uh you mentioned um, what you you approximated the number of athletes that you have playing uh, Division One football right now. Can you can share share with the listeners just how how much how many inroads you have made into 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 this game and how much of an impact you're actually having on this game? Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I believe I believe this year I believe this year we'll have uh, between seventy two to 80 division one punters active um in college this year i believe we've done 
140 scholarships um, over the years, and uh, we've got uh, currently we've got five guys in the NFL on that, that on is rosters. Am- that's, so, a, that's amazing. That is yeah. amazing. So, and we we just look. It's just it's that war of attrition. We're just going to keep pushing and training guys to be better and and demand um, they get the best out of themselves. And if we do that, then you know, and as more opportunities open up, that just creates more awareness, and then more guys. You know, we do look. This is so much about kicking, but to be honest, we really do consider ourselves an academic um, program who okay. just happen to happen to play sport along the way and kick a football. You know, we we make sure. I believe ninety eight percent of our guys have all graduated. We we need them to graduate. We want them to graduate and think about their academics. No one's there's there's no there's no uh, surefire plan of success and guarantees that you'll ever play at a professional level in any sport um, right right and make money out of it so we really emphasize the the education um so that you can set the rest of your life up um you know through getting involved in educating yourself um with whatever you want to do so that's our main focus but you know to to sort of think that the numbers are i guess they're getting bigger and one day i'll I'll fix my website up and actually put the true numbers <laughs> on there, but you so know, I've I, got other things to do. I, I think you just answered the question I was going to ask you now, but uh, what do you see as the most satisfying or, or gratifying thing that you take away from, from this job? What What's the thing that you look, look at it with the most pride? Uh, pretty much. Look, we get, we had some, it's graduation time in the U S Okay, and we're seeing we're seeing our players and students who've either um, you know they're in their robes and their hat and they got their uh, with the sashes on um, and a document in their hand saying they've just graduated um, and got their degree in whatever. Sometimes they're getting masters right, degrees right. and they're going on. Um, we've had we get a lot of students into our program who who in Australia probably lose their way a little bit about what they want, sport. Do they want to do university? Do they want to, where are they at just in their life? Sometimes they've been a bit disappointed through their sporting career and had injuries. So they couldn't perform the way they wanted to be. We've had guys who were doing trades and and were just digging holes and doing apprenticeship plumbing or woodwork or something like that. And now they're at, um, at university getting degrees and masters at really good institutions and playing football in front of, you know, 20, 50, hundred thousand people. So to see the turnaround and the full circle of their journey and see the smiles come back on their faces, that's probably, you know, one of the things that we get the most pleasure out. It's not about a particular university. Um, you know, oh great. We've got someone there. No, it's, it's knowing that they come out the, the other side with okay, great friends. Um, you know, and, and now we're in the cycle where, you know, Jordan Berry and, you know, they're having their first baby and, you know, Cameron Johnson just got married and, you know, like uh, Mitch Wisnowski, you know, they've met their, their life partners and they've um, got children. You know, Keith Ruzak at Eastern Kentucky, you know, started a life uh, now with his wife in Kentucky. Like these 
the journeys that these guys are on now, just seeing them come out the other side as as men, you know, pretty much go in as boys really and come out as men and, and have really set their lives up, um, you know, and hopefully seen them being really happy. That's probably where we get a kick out of it. Again, the football's fun, yeah, no doubt. But, uh, you know, seeing them uh, happy in life is probably one of the bigger points. Yeah, they're having to work at it, but you're helping them to reach an opportunity that otherwise they may not have they may not have been able to find now. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that is, that's terrific. Uh, that really is. Now I, I watched an interview that you did a few years ago uh, with ESPN here, and I'm going to link to the interview in the show notes um, where you said something to the effect that within 10 years, um, Australian punters are going to be dominating the game and they'll be better than American punters. I, I think that is safe to say that that's happening. Um, <laughs> well, it was really, that was really interesting. Because the uh, interesting old Gene, when he put that question to me, and um, he he actually asked me the question twice because I didn't answer it the first time, um, and he asked me he asked me again uh, on air. It was it was, do you think Australians are going to be better kickers or punters than the Americans? And I didn't answer it because I thought, no, I'm not going to. I'm not here to stir the pot. <laughs> <laughs> And then he, he asked me, well, there's like a 30-second pause. I think he was waiting for me to answer. I'm like, I'm not going to answer this. And then he, he asked me again. And I said, all right, yeah, I'll go down there. All right. Okay. Well, within 10 years, I believe we will be. So um, I must I must send him a little message. And okay, um, I'll go find out how many years ago that was. Yeah. Now, so that I can uh, I can see if we're, uh, we're on our way. But look, again, it's, it's – and it's really funny. It's not about – it's not us versus them. It's there's no – we – um, we'll help anyone. We'll help anyone who's, right. who wants to learn. Our joy is in the teaching. Um, doesn't matter where you come from. Uh, there's no, uh, we're better than you. There's, there's absolutely none of that. Um, we're good about the information. We just want people who want to get the most out of themselves to, you know, and be around that like-minded and, and type of, of person. So um, I think I think if there's anything we've done uh, by producing uh, a number of guys for the US is we've made we've made the competition the competition being anyone who punts need to be better and work harder right and right this is not a it's not a given it's not well yeah I'm going to do this and I'm going to go to high school and then college and and I'm just going to it's just going to be no I'll go work hard at it um it's a big industry uh the scholarships are valuable education's valuable um and if it's a part of what you need to do to work harder, then it makes the position better. And if the position's better because there's a lot of good competition, everyone wins. You push yourself, you mm. learn lessons in life, uh, and you know about how to how to work hard at your craft and do things that um, push you to the next level, which then in turn may help you in your working life or your relationships or anything like that down the track. So, yeah, again, really, it's just about. Um, the emphasis on um, on working hard to get the best out of yourself. Okay. Now, I I had just a couple of other uh, things that I wanted to touch on before before we wrap this up. And I and I you know now be it really never dawned on me before before I really started watching footy. But uh, does it make you cringe a little bit when you hear commentators talking about the punters being rugby style punters? Um, it, it sort of used, it probably did a while ago. Um, 
because I don't think they knew any different. Okay. And, and to be honest, <laughs> That's probably fair. to be fair, to be fair, they the the style of kick that was being done was probably more a rugby style of kick. Okay. Okay. So the the movement was probably more in tune with a rugby kick, and there was probably guys who played rugby who were taking the the punting, which sort of gave it that name. Um, once we saw, I guess, once we showed him the difference between a rugby style of kick versus a Aussie rules style of kick. Right, right. Um, you know, it takes time to change people's habit yeah. in words and perception about what they say. So I think, you know, with the inclusion of, um, you know, all of the, the amount of sport you can find on TV and now with a number of Australians in there, I think the commentators now actually fully have digested the difference between the two okay. and, that... and accordingly say that. But, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, they can call it what they want. Um, right, right. It, it doesn't change the fact. If you're there and you're doing it, it, it doesn't mean, you know I mean, it doesn't change the fact uh, about what they say. Um, if your result's good, as I say, if your result's good, it'll end up on Twitter, and if your result's poor, it'll end up on Twitter, and we'll know I, about it either way. Well, so, I, I whatever you call it. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I won't. I won't bring up there. There's a, and I didn't even realize that this young man was Australian. But there was a, uh, the 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 Blake O'Neill instance at Michigan. I did not realize he was Australian until I watched that interview with you. Um, right, where, he, where yeah. he had where he had a muffed punt there, and it was just I I felt I'm an Ohio State fan, but I felt terrible for him. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. it's, well, well you, you probably can't call it a muffed punt because he didn't actually get the punt. Well, the true. Bugger. He, he, he was it was more like a side throw. Yeah, it so, looked it all, yeah it, it didn't look like it, it was an improper disposal, is what it was. Uh, yeah, um, but, and you know what, he he handled that so well. And yeah. To his credit, and I guess if there's a lesson in it for people in sport, is you just got to move on. Um, it's been, right, right. People talk about it, and there's a loss of a game, and sometimes there's a win. A win. Um, and here's the thing: you can go from highs and lows really quickly in sport, and in a lot of facts uh, factors in your life. At the start of the game, he had an 82-yard punt, which was the longest in Michigan history, or something. Right. And at the end of the game, he he um, dropped the ball, went to pick it up, and he didn't think too much of it. I was like, oh, well, okay, let's go back to training and um, get on with the next one. Like, it's a really mature attitude to go. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have ups and downs. Um, these happen. Okay, yep. it, was a, it, ended, it ended up being pretty good television for, you know, for half the people and not very good television for the other half. You know, it depends on which side of the fans you, you look for. But Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's a real, real lesson to just, know that there's going to be ups and downs and sometimes you'll you'll end up square at the end of the day you'll end up pretty square you'll have a lot of good moments and a lot of moments hey he's 82 yard punt he may have well have just kicked that by um if he had to kick that 40 uh, michigan or michigan state might have scored on the next play after then michigan state made 12 points yeah you just never know how that's it that's a so that's a great point yeah now, um, going to be a part of. Now, the last thing I wanted to touch on with you was that you're also besides besides running pro kick, you are also working as a as a coach with the AFLW Tigers as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's and that's whoa, whoa. what a what an absolute joy. 
to be able to do that. Um, you know, it's a real, it's, it's actually been a real pleasure. Um, yeah, you know, being a part of the women's program and, um, and again, it's a part of that process that I really enjoy about the, the learning and they're, they just love to absorb information because the girls just want to get better at it. Their, their skill level um, has grown dramatically over the last few years. Right. And they exactly. just want to, they just want to be better at it. Um, you know, I got, got invited into the program from, you know, who's now my boss in, in Kate Sheen and um, just her passion for the program and the girls really sort of stood out as to, as to why, I, you know, I guess I entertained it at the start, but, Yeah, I've I I didn't watch a lot of the AFLW. Yeah, I have the the app here in the states where I can watch all of the games, but I watched a few games here and there, and it's just it is just to me a societal shift in in Australia because it's been embraced by all of the the the, the young girls who are you know, who have spent years watching the AFL who now have somebody else to look up to to emulate and and it's you know you, you hope that this that this league survives you know the the COVID-19 and the, the lack of income with the uh with the league and such because you know there are some of the images of these these little girls that are at the at the the games are just you know are they just grab you because it's it's something that they can that they can latch on to yeah, well, uh, yeah. I mean, I, and there's Aussie rules is such a great sport. Um, yeah, it's athletic. It's it's movement, jumping, kicking, punching. Uh, there's all of these different aspects to it, which are such athletic movements, and to have self awareness, and um, so it, it creates so many um, good skill sets in an athletic point of view, which is great. Um, and as I was saying before, the girls that uh, that uh, improving, you know, time after time or year after year, the skill sets are getting so much better. The, the game's cleaned up to be really enjoyable to watch. Yeah, it's fast. Um, it's attacking, and uh, oh, it's a it's like I said, absolute blessing to be to be able to be a part of it. And um, you know, we're in our off season now. Right, but, right. Um, yeah, with this COVID, it's sort of changed the way we train in the off season, um, etc. So we're you know, went from one-on-one sessions to now being able to have uh, some uh, groups of 10 sessions. And, you know, so we'll get young girls, you know, uh, Gabby Seymour, uh, an up-and-coming girl who played volleyball a couple of years ago, is, is now two years in um, and performing really well just by doing the extra stuff, you know, uh, kicking-wise. You know, I'll give the shout-outs to the girls, the Beck Millers and um, just girls who who just are like sponges in wanting to get better in, right. in everything that they do. I can't, again, I can't be there in, enough for them because, again, if you show passion towards uh, wanting to be better as a person or an athlete, then, hey, I'm in. Let's go. I'll give you everything I know. Well, and, and one of the, uh, one of the you know, the, I guess the more famous athletes who, 
who changed sports. And I'm I'm not very familiar with netball. In fact, I'm not familiar with it at all. But, uh, you know, Sharni Layton, who came over from that, who from what I've heard was a dominant netball player. You know, I remember watching her last year. You know, she she had a tough time playing at the AFLW level. But this past season, she she became a dominant player. Because she had her her skill set had had improved so much, and you figure you know five six eight ten years down the road, you know, I think the AFLW could be very much on par with the AFL in terms of the skill set of the athletes that are there. Because you know, yeah, it's, yeah, so. uh, it's and they because as they're getting better, and to be honest, a lot of these things come back to money. If you're getting paid well to do nothing but uh, train and work on everything, but you know, I guess yeah, you get you get fitter stronger you can spend more time on it um and as the shift has been over the last couple of years where girls are now starting to get paid but a lot of the time they've also got to go off and work full-time jobs and and then turn up so if you're an absolute dedicated athlete um you know as as the i guess as the environment shifts into the girls getting paid more money so they can do it yeah all year round exactly um, absolutely the yeah, the, um, I guess the skill set improved. And I, I, I had sent out a note on Twitter, and I had not heard back yet. I'm, and I'm, I'm just mentioning it here. But you know, somebody who I would love to bring on the show to interview is a Brisbane player, Jess Wushner, who I, you know, I don't know if you heard what happened to her earlier this year, but you know, to me, she's kind of the toughest person on the planet. Um, you know, after did you hear the story with what happened with her? Well, you, you go. I, well, I, well, she, uh, she, oh, she, uh, you know, she works as a stevedore, and yeah. she, she actually, on like a Sunday evening, she got struck by lightning at work, and the next yeah. week she was back out. She was back out practicing. I just, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm shocked by that, and I, I don't mean that as a bad pun, but I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah. I don't, I don't want to take up any more of your time, sir. I, I, truly appreciate you coming on and spending some time with me on here. This was, this was a lot of fun. Um, I would like to thank my guest, uh, Nathan Chapman of pro kick Australia for taking time out of your morning to sit down and, and talk with me. I'm thrilled that you took this opportunity. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, I, like I said, I appreciate you coming on, sir. No, thanks Craig. A pleasure. It got me out of doing the ironing and the vacuuming. So, uh, <laughs> I'll probably have to get back in there and do it now, though. So should we should we schedule one for next week then as well? No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Well, sir, I truly appreciate it. I thank you. I'd like to thank Mr. Nathan Chapman of Pro Kick Australia for being my guest on episode 25. I hope you had as much fun as I did with this, Mr. Chapman. You had some great stories. Love talking about the Packers a little bit there with you. That was a lot of fun. If you're an NFL or an NCAA football fan and you found your way to this episode, I want to thank you for checking it out. And I invite you to not only check out other episodes of my podcast, but consider taking a look at footy itself. The league is going to be restarting on June the 11th, and there are going to be games each week on FS1 and FS2. And if you want to check out the game before the restart and look at some classic games... For just a couple of bucks, you can do that. The Watch AFL app, which I've put a link in the show notes, 
is offering their entire catalog of games, including the top 50 games of the last 30 years or so, as well as every AFL and AFLW game going back to 2017, and all of their 2020 daily programming, AFL Tonight, which is very similar to like NFL Live, that type of thing, uh, for $2 a week for the next few weeks until June the 11th, until the season kicks back on, and then they'll go back to their regular price. But if you want to dip your toe in and see what it's all about, I'd strongly encourage you to do that. Don't forget that while you can find all the episodes of this podcast at ayankonthefooty.podbean.com, you can also find it on your favorite podcast provider. Now that you've listened, I would love it if you'd consider giving me a review on Apple Podcasts that lets me know what I need to work on and what I'm doing well. And it lets the podcast host know what you think of the show. And it will hopefully help bring some other people to the show as well, which, by the way, you could help with that as well by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Remember, you can also reach me at ayankonthefooty at gmail.com as well as on Twitter at yank underscore on and on Facebook and Instagram at ayankonthefooty. I'd like to thank Mr. Joseph McDade for two pieces of his music that I'm using in this episode. Mr. McDade's created some fantastic music. I'm using the pieces of Elevation and Backplate. I went back with Backplate instead of Winter's Mist now that the season is getting ready to ramp up again. You can find his music at josephmcdade.com.music. Again, Mr. McDade, thanks so very much. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening because without you, I'm... I'm probably not doing this. I, I cannot thank you enough for tuning in. I, I went over 4,100 downloads of my podcast last week, and I'm, I'm amazed by that. I truly appreciate that. I've now had people in 21 countries and 36 states here in the United States listen to the show. I'd love it if you'd share it with your friends. And folks, we are less than two and a half weeks away from footy starting again by the time this comes out. Okay. And keep in mind that while many of us are fans of our teams deep down, we're fans of a game that we all love. And that's the game of footy. I thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. I ask that you consider sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Retweet, retweet the posting that you see online. Send a text message to your friends. I'd love it if you would do that. And don't forget, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later. This has been episode 25 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or at ayankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at A Yank on the Footy. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening, and I would love it if you would share the podcast with your friends and family. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, thank you.